Welcome to my podcast where I talk about all things related to money, mindset, finance, business, and investing. My name is Royston Kambabachi, qualified accountant with over 30 years' experience in finance and business. Coming from a very humble background, I have continuously challenged the assumptions and the expectations of what I'm capable of achieving for myself and others. Over the years, I've helped hundreds of entrepreneurs to decipher finance and to make more money and to run highly successful businesses. On this podcast, I will share with you tips, strategies, techniques, and tools that you can use to make more money, manage money better, and to maximize your success. Welcome to episode 1.0 of my podcast, Financial Intelligence Mindset for Business Owners, sharing all the knowledge that you as a business owner and entrepreneur need to make better decisions and to get better results in your business. In this episode, I will share with you the background of how I became an expert in finance, what are some of the big hurdles I've had to jump over, what are some of my successes, and my entire career as a, as a very summary level in financial services. So, well, my story begins over in Grenada and in the Caribbean Islands. It's called the Island of Spice. It's really beautiful when I was growing up. You know, we had lots of uh, time to, to run around with friends and family. All of the mangoes, all of the sugar cane, the papaya, the salsa. It was really beautiful. In 1979, there was a, a, a revolution. And I was uh, involved in the revolution. That's when I think in my early teens. And it really impacted my early uh, secondary school because I didn't progress into Form 3. Uh, it's kind of year nine in the UK financial system. However, uh, since the revolution was over, I decided I would put all my energies into uh, becoming the scholar of uh, the school. So I took up all the subjects that I had to offer, uh, which include obviously maths, physics, chemistry, all these subjects, as well as I did uh, business and accounting some extent on a part-time basis because it clashed with other subjects. I found really accounting and business to be really natural for me. To some extent, it was quite easy because I was more focused on the scientific subjects. In my early career, I really wanted to be something like a pilot or electronic engineer or something uh, more techie. Uh, well, anyway, I, I emerged as a valedictorian of my year, which means that I was the most outstanding academic student I was also awarded many prizes as well, including the one for students contributing most to the life of the school. That should give you some background of who I was as a youth. Really, I was lively, I was in the sports, I was poetic, and I was very, very active in the school. And as I said earlier, business and finance was really, really natural for me, but it was my first love. My first love was to become an engineer. However, my, my very early jobs uh, over in Grenada saw me working yeah, in accounting, in bookkeeping. Uh, my very, very first job was manual. I moved to a hotel as a general accounting clerk, which is my really first introduction to money management because I had to prepare all of the deposits, uh, the money for deposits uh, into the bank. I collected from all different areas, you know, the bars, the restaurant, the front desk, and also um, other areas as well, that were what we call them profit centers. And 
every morning I will check these monies. I will come get some big notes, you know, whether it's like, you know, a hundred uh, US dollars, or even a thousand US dollars, even 5,000 US dollars travelers check, really big notes, different currencies. That's my really full exposure into into different sort of money. It led me to investigate about money, to understand more about how money works in a business. That was back in 1989, so talking about over 30 years ago. And so really my foundation as well into sort of working in an office, an automated office with computers, with yeah, it was really, really great job. But here's the thing. I was ambitious. I wanted to be engineering. I decided to pursue my dad. And the thing I didn't do right was to have a great plan. I just backed up. I went to Canada and things didn't work out. Things didn't work out for me. And I was soon packing back. And in fact, they sent me back in Canada. I did all sort of odds and sod jobs working in big soya factories working in, in, in plastic factories, working in cardboard factories, working peeling onions all day. It was really tough. That was in my early 20s. And in returning back home, I decided to uh, do some farming because I thought, thought to be a bit resourceful, you know, a way to make some money. And all the monies I made, I plowed back into my mom's house because back then our house didn't have any running water. We didn't have TV. We didn't have phone. We actually was a wooden house that was sort of leaning. The, the wooden posts were leaning. It was actually looking to fall down. And it was really, really a tough and tense situation because we came from very, very, very humble background. When I say humble, I mean very poor family. Even all through my secondary school, it was really tough. I think I had like two school shirts to go to school with. And I was really, really tough. But um, what I did is that I, all the money I made from uh, the farming, I plowed some of it back into my mom's house, making it more secure, making it the concrete. I think we didn't put uh, running water and um, build a downstairs, you know, um, the toilet and bathroom. It was like really, truly uh, my first property development. I actually did some of the work physically with my own hands, um, like construction work as well. I also did some landscaping jobs as well as a hustler, you know, doing landscaping for rich people. Some I did since during my college and during my secondary school days. And I also did some farming as well in my early secondary school as well. Um, because I did, some of the time I live with my auntie, you know, so, you know, as it goes back then, you know, it's easy to move between mommy, auntie, cousins, you know, uncles. It was really, we really had a very strong family bond back then. I think things are much different now. And as it goes, you know, um, I did that farming for a bit and because I was qualified, I had experience to some extent. Um, if I went to Canada, I got a job now at a hotel where I became a cost controller and a food and beverage controller, understanding exactly if the bars, if the restaurants are making money. What really inspired me back then was the accountant. Her name is Caroline Davis, you know, and she was the chief accountant. She seems quite clever. She seems to understand everything about how the business works. Yet, uh, she seems to have great benefits, you know, like cars, you know, houses, a room in the hotel, free education for her child. And, yeah, she seems to have a great job. So I said, I want to become a chief accountant. So I remember, like, try, trying to find out how to become an accountant. And then I went to a firm, a firm of accountants uh, called PKF, I think, Panacle Fosters. 
And the owner there, Henry Joseph, he gave me some forms and to fill out for the ACCA. He offered me a role with his brother. Um, I think I had options anyway. I said to work with his brother to, to automate uh, the financial reporting uh, at the bakery. And his brother had some other retail businesses as well. So I supported him um, with those. And at the bakery, one of the main things I did was to save the business money. Save the business was leaking money because uh, the van drivers were checking out the stock, taking the bread every day and not accounting for it. So basically, we couldn't account for it. It's called the cost of goods sold. Basically, the opening stock, yeah, plus the purchases minus the sales equal to the, you know, the closing stock. So we couldn't really have exactly how much closing stock they should have. And they would just bring back the money without having a proper stock sheet. So that was my first sort of uh, opportunity at the bakery to implement some strong financial controls. And the money started increasing, you know. And that's the thing in business, right? In business, you must have financial controls. You must have ways of understanding how does the money really work, right? You also have to understand, like, if I'm, if, if I'm selling goods and services, what is uh, the revenue I expect to sell for this amount of stock? You know, what is my cost of goods sold? I, how much is it costing me to actually sell this thing, you know? And that's exactly the system I implemented. I also realized that they were producing too much of bread and lots of wastage. So I cut them on the wastage again using data, you know, understanding how much bread they were selling over a period of time and then do what is called proper planning and forecasting. I worked close to be the production manager. I worked there for about three to four years. During this time, I also taught evening classes for people uh, in accounting, in, in, in business, business management, up to A-levels. I actually did some teaching uh, before that, uh, since I was in college back in 1989. Um, so I had some good background as well in teaching. So I did that and ambition, I'm a very ambitious person. So I wanted to become an accountant, as I said. Uh, I had the option of, of going to Trinidad and Tobago to do that. I started doing some exams on my own, which I passed. And I kind of struggled a bit with one of the papers. I decided to take a loan, you know, um, and go to study. My mom decided to put up security for me. So I took a loan and um, I came to the UK. And I basically had a student visa. As I came to the UK in 1997, summer 1997, it was lovely to, uh, to arrive in the UK because it was summertime. By the time it got to the winter time, I was like really dreading it, you know. It was like damp, cold, I cried, I wanted to go back. And overall in the UK, it was tough because I never had enough money, right? So I had to look for a job. Within two weeks of arriving, I got my first job. They paid me £3.30 an hour. It was, I had to look for kind of a bar, you know. I had to lock the bar up and all that kind of stuff. But look, to make a very um, um, interesting story, to make it really sound spicy for you, those are some of what is called, you know, my odds and sods jobs. I've done really lots of jobs like those, like, you know, working as a as a caterer, working as a, a porter, working for the, the, the Royal Mail, doing all these jobs, you know. And I landed a big job as well for BBC, the management accountant in political programs. But where my real career in finance really started was when I landed a job in financial services in 2001. I was headhunted by a company to go and work for uh, the branch of a German company, which had grown 200-fold. They had grown from uh, revenues of 
uh, 20 million to 200 million in one year. And you didn't have much back office, much back office controls, no financial, proper financial systems, not really managing the money, managing the treasury. So my first job became uh, expenses uh, and cash management accountant, responsible for over 30 bank accounts, making sure these are all properly reconciled at uh, different currencies. Um, I think the euro was just coming around that time. There was Dutch marks, there was, I don't know, US dollar. There were, you know, all different kind of, I think, because the euro is coming in, there's a different currency for almost each European country at the time. I think so I worked during that project to sort of convert into a euro. A very interesting project, interesting company. It's been five years there. And the, the, the German company, Wittenbergische Versicherung, they decided to give uh, the branch things lots of money as it was expanding. So um, the chief financial officer there and the finance manager, uh, Richard Sutlow, he was a really good guy to me. You know, he showed me everything he knew about like, you know, investing, about Excel, about money management, about everything he knew. And he gave me the bandwidth to set up accounts. You know, I started doing some training in IT. I did some training in, in, in treasury management. I started setting up money management account funds. I started, you know, managing the relationship with the banks, with the, with the asset manager. You know, it was a really great job, you know, building accounting systems, actually building investment systems, working with IT to put KPI systems in place. And yeah, I had a budget of like 12 million, you know, for expenses and 200 million uh, for investments. I automated the investments processes also build systems to automate our financial reporting as well. So it's been a really, really big first job in the city on, you know, I call it the, the Monopoly Board. It's Fenchurch Street. Fenchurch Street Station was just, I think, three minutes walk away. And I bought my first property in 2002, being ambitious. I think I was actually headhunted again to become a financial controller for a company. I moved to Aviva where I became a finance manager, a financial controller, and then I became what is called an investment operations relationship manager, overseeing JP Morgan operations, I think almost uh, 160 billion of assets. I built a team of accountants to kind of oversee the operations. And yeah, it's my first really big, big project in investment operations. And in 2011, I decided to go contracting. So basically, I set up my own company and I decided to just do contracts. I, I resigned my job. And I, I never really looked back since then. I made a lot of money in contracting and I've invested in the properties and I did some big investment, some big investing operations projects as well. You know, I worked for HSBC Bank um, doing different projects. I worked for Lloyds Banking Group doing investment projects. And yeah, so that's kind of uh, the nutshell of my career. I would say what really kept me going, uh, even when I came to the UK and it was tough, was just understanding that I want more. I, my family deserve more. So it's my hunger for more, right? For more in terms of not just more money, but a better quality of life, you know, for me and for my family. So that's exactly what kind of kept me going. I think to date now, I managed to, you know, to invest in a few properties over in the UK as well as over in the Caribbean. My mom, who is 70, she's looking for my property in Grenada alongside with my sister as well. We've got a bit of land over there, which my mom is still working and still making money off the land, you know. 
And you know, farming, agriculture is, is, is really something that can make a lot of money, you know. And some people realize that you don't need a big business to make money. What you need is a great business idea and you need to make sure it's profitable. Yeah, you make sure it's profitable, i.e. that what you're selling is more than what it, it's costing you to sell. When you, you make the money, it's important to reinvest the money. So like in the case of my mom back home, when she gets money, she you know, she pays someone, she's 70 years now, she pays someone to, to work the land for her. So she supervises. So I'm in business, people make money, but they don't keep the money. You know, they spend the money and not back on the business, but they spend money on luxury items. Like especially some entrepreneurs, they start making some revenue and then they start spending that money on like luxury item cars or you know, bigger personal houses, etc. You know, I would say build your business, build your business, reinvest back into the infrastructure of the business, back into the marketing of the business. That's one of the ways I would say to grow your business. You know, if you're going to invest, invest in, in income generating assets, you know, whether, whether it's like, you know, stocks and shares, whether it's other businesses, whether it's property. That's exactly what I do and what I've done. And today, you know, I, I help business owners and entrepreneurs. I have my own uh, firm, which is uh, Rackmax. So Rackmax is actually an accountancy firm registered with the ACCA. It's also a management and consultancy firm, which I use to help businesses to transform their business, transform their finances. I'm working with entrepreneurs, predominantly those who are already startup and they're probably between one to seven years they make it between 100K to, say, 10 million. That's kind of my niche, my target market. And I'm happy to work with people who have a great business idea who are also just starting up as well. And fundamentally, I would say, in, in, in business right now, in this period that we're going through right now, you know, you really want to have multiple streams of income. You know, you want to be on to have multiple streams. You want to be online. You, you want to really understand exactly what products and services customers want and you want to go out there and really give them that at the best possible price. So, yeah, so part of what I'm doing, my journey, my mission is to set up what's called my academy, my finance, business and investing academy, my FBI academy. So I've got some online courses that are coming up uh, this month, actually launching the doors this month. Uh, probably one is going to be how to make money, money by money. And there's a business growth uh, program. These will be great programs for people who are looking to be successful in business. Because let's face it, the statistics is that after five years, uh, most businesses fail. And after 10 years, only four, uh, only 4% of all businesses survive after 10 years. So to be successful, you really want to have a great blueprint. You want to have a great uh, map, you know, what like I call a massive action plan of how you will go from where you are to where you want to be in the future. So it's very important to just, you know, take massive action, keep going, keep keep with the momentum, and that's what I have created my own very my my very own blueprint, the profitable business blueprint. It has these five modules around dynamic business drive, around you know, financial risk formula, you know, around how to monitor your business how to multiply your money, and I remember what's called a cash flow prediction model. So I really have some systems and some tools that I share with business owners and entrepreneurs who really want to understand how to manage their money better, how to take their business to the next level. If somebody that's interests you, um, I will be leaving my details, you know, or with the family on social media. 
So you can find me and I hope that we will be uh, in touch uh, very, very soon. As I said, this is episode 1.0. So do stay tuned. A lot more content is going to be coming your way. And um, whatever you're doing, I want to say to you, do it well. Thank you very much for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. You can find out more about me by Googling my name, Royston Cumberbatch. I'm on all the social media, Facebook, Instagram, and LinkedIn. You can find me on YouTube as Roy Cumberbatch. And if you are listening on YouTube, please hit that uh, subscribe button. Or you can find me on my website at www.rackmac.com. That's R-A-C-M-A-C-S dot com. It'd be great to hear from you. And do feel free to tell me about any topics you want me to cover on future episodes. Until next time, be good to yourself and others. Keep positive and reaching for your financial goals. Bye-bye.